Engaging Leader Podcast, Episode 27, How to Use the Big Little Outcome Scope to Make Sure You Hit Your Target. Does your leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, leaders. Today, I'm pleased to welcome back to the Engaging Leader Podcast, Erin Leahy, my wife. Hi. And Aaron is here to help me talk about how to use a tool I call the Big Little Outcome Scope to make sure that you hit your target. Now, the the background on this tool, it comes from research from Stephen Covey and the Franklin Covey team. And in their book, The Four Disciplines of Execution, they teach that it's best to set no more than one to three goals at a time. Because according to research, if you aim for one to three goals, you will achieve one to three of them. No surprise <laughs> there, right? But if you aim for four to ten goals, you'll only achieve one goal on average. And if you're like the average person, if you aim for 11 to 20 goals, you will achieve zero. Kind of surprising. In a way. <laughs> <laughs> and Aaron, just today and in the events leading up to today, had cause to discover the truth behind this. Uh, Aaron, you were asked to give a presentation at a conference on organic farming, and you have your own podcast, Small Home Farm, and so you are a bit of an authority in in hobby farming and and gardening-related topics. And you were asked to present today on organic orcharding, Mm-hmm. And this is this invitation came many months ago, and uh, you had never actually spoken on that topic. So right. you'd been preparing to give the talk, and it was about two weeks or ten days ago that you were down to the final preparation. And you came to me asking for help to create your presentation. What what right. led you to that point? Well, I had already done all the research and put together everything that I thought was pertinent. The audience, it's important to note, um, were largely made up of people who were interested in starting their own orchard, but didn't have a lot of experience with it and only really knew what they've read or what they've heard about it. And um, I, I had assembled all this basic information that newcomers to orcharding would need to successfully get into orcharding. And I realized at a certain point, oh my gosh, I just have so much information here. They're probably not going to be able to remember any of it. They're going to be overwhelmed by information overload. How do I get to the meat of this? For any of us who've been to a conference, and almost everybody listening to this podcast probably has been to a conference and know what it's like to sit through presentation after presentation, and and most of them really are crammed full of information, very good information, but you start to just get an aching head. As an audience member, your eyes at some point start glazing over and you start, you just know, I'm not going to remember this. I can take notes until the cows come home, but it's just too much. And as leaders and communicators, we have to remember this doesn't just apply to presentations. 
this applies to every communication that you have and, and most inter- other types of interactions that we as leaders can overwhelm people. We either whether it's with information, such as in a in a presentation that you're giving, or in an email you're sending, uh, or just even standing up and, and giving some instructions to to a team or guidance. But in most, in so many of the interactions that we have, where when we when we're trying to define priorities or vision, and it's just so easy to to uh, try to get across that, oh, well, this is important, and that's important, and this is important, and this week we really need to be focusing on that. And you very quickly start to get out of that one to three goals and being able to actually achieve something to you're so quickly into the four to ten goals, and then you're, you're very unlikely you're going to accomplish more than one of them. And before you know it, you've actually got so many things that you're asking people to hold on to that you're not going to achieve anything. And so when you came to me, Aaron, and said, "What you know? What? Where do I start?" And we talked about the big little outcome scope and how that can help achieve a target. And so the the big part of that is asking yourself, "What is the the one big outcome that you want to achieve from this engagement?" So I said, "Well, when it's all said and done, when you're." You're all done preparing. You give your presentation. What do you want people to actually say or think or do when your presentation's over? What would just make your day to hear hap- that ha- happen? And what was your answer? I said that I, I hoped that they would be enthusiastic about it and that they would feel confident about it and not, not have any uh, fears or uncertainties about it, that I would have just made that clear. Yes, and and. The, specifically, the background there is that orcharding, among, even among avid gardeners, orcharding is thought of as a very ta- labor intensive, chemical in- intensive uh, process. And if you want to grow some fruit trees on your property, whether it's big or little property, you better plan to, to spend a lot of time in it. And, it, and unless you spray them with chemicals, it's just not going to work. And the whole thing seems complicated. There are several aspects to it in addition to just sprays that your average person just, in my words, they freak out. Oh my gosh, I don't think I could do that. And I just wanted them to know it's really not as hard as it seems. So with that one big outcome in mind, how do you make sure that outcome happens? And of course, if your big outcome, in your case, the big outcome was I want them to feel, well, how, how did you say that, how, say that again? Enthusiastic and confident. So, yes. If you just throw a whole bunch of information at them and slide after slide after slide with lots of details, they're not going to be enthusiastic and they're no. probably not going to be confident because it's going to no. seem even more complicated than ever. Yeah, they would be overwhelmed. So when you, once you decide what is your big outcome, then you move to the little part of it. And the little part is having up to three little objectives to help you meet this outcome, which and the way I go about doing it is, is first of all, there, there's two things to keep in mind. One is that it's helpful to think about the challenges or objections that you're going to need to overcome with your audience to accomplish your big outcome. So think about the challenges or that 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 you're going to have to face or the objections that they're going to have. So to meet your big outcome in this case, what were some of the challenges that you had to overcome? Um, largely 
just a lot of the routine things that go into maintaining an orchard that that seem really complicated or in some other way scary. Mm-hmm. So overcoming the sort of scariness aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, and, and the the idea that it's difficult. What, one challenge that I noticed because I was there and watched your presentation is that you were the third speaker. Oh, true. You weren't the first. You were the third speaker and you were right after lunch, which anybody who does a lot of speaking knows that that's a rather challenging spot to be in. Right after lunch, people are more likely to, to get a little sleepy and lose focus. And as the the third speaker, they've already sat through a couple of, of topics and they're maybe getting mm-hmm. uh, jittery or antsy and, and having a hard time uh sitting still and concentrating. And a lot of presentations are nutrient-dense, so to speak. <laughs> um, and so their brains are already pretty full. Yes. So you have so a second challenge is just keeping your audience engaged. Yeah. Getting their focus in the first place and then keeping it. Okay, so those are two, two challenges we can focus on, unless there's another one that's popped into your head since I asked. Okay. So that's the f- one thing is in setting these three up to three little objectives to help you meet the one big outcome, think about the challenges that you're going to have or the objections that are going to be in the audience's mind. Secondly, it's best to state your objectives as action verbs. And this is because it's easier for you to think about them both as you're preparing your communication, in this case the presentation, or when you're up there, you know, looking at your audience in your in, in their eyes, if you have three action verb objectives, then you can it helps you to focus your energy at that moment in time. Yes. So my main point was to get the audience excited about orcharding and to make them feel like they can do it. And so my two action verbs were to create enthusiasm and to give them confidence. Okay. So when we looked at all this body of material that you had, and I said, okay, so to, to meet those two object, little objectives, what from the body of material is going to, first of all, accomplish the get them excited part, and which part, what, what's going to help them to feel reassured? Well, I had defined my two objectives, and I used three different tactics to meet those objectives. I used whiteboard exercises that involved the audience. I told stories, and I used supporting visuals. Okay, so let's talk about each of those and, and why you chose them. So why did, you ch- why did you do the whiteboard exercise? Well, as you had mentioned earlier, it was right after lunch. Everyone had already sat through a couple hours worth of presentations, and I knew that they were going to be kind of dull and, uh, you know, not really mentally focused. And I wanted to really pull them right into... The topic, and so even though um, it wasn't really necessary for me to do this exercise, that it would have been fine without it. Um, it it wouldn't have been fine because the audience probably would have still been sleepily sitting there digesting their food. So I asked them for their input on certain things about orcharding that they had heard or what have you, and and wrote them down. And so people were kind of calling out answers. And what was the specific thing that you asked them? 
I asked for anyone who actually already had any trees on their property, or maybe they had grown up and had, you know, their dad had some on his property. What varieties of fruit trees did they know of that worked well in our area? Which ones seemed to give reliable harvests and which ones um, seemed pretty resistant to diseases and pests? And that seemed to work pretty well in, in sucking them in. You had people all over the room firing off answers and you filled up a whiteboard pretty quickly. Right. And then I was able to say, you know, look, your friends and neighbors here have just suggested some varieties that you can try planting in your own orchard and you know they'll work because they've worked for people who live in the same area that you live. And you had an hour-long presentation, which is hard to keep an audience attention for an hour. But this is this was a an an informational presentation. There's different kinds of presentation and different devices that you can use. But your whiteboard interaction worked pretty well to overcome that challenge that you had, and to meet one of your one of your little objectives to actually in, get people's enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And because it was so long, you actually used this tactic again about halfway through, didn't That's you? That's right, I did. It was right about halfway through the presentation. And you kind of, in case for anybody who was maybe starting to wander at that point, you sucked everybody back in with an, actually an even more engaging discussion. Yeah, I asked people what sorts of pests and diseases they had encountered in their orchards or on their fruit trees if they had them. And, you know, remember, a lot of the audience hadn't started this yet. So there was only a portion of people who could give answers, but they were coming. The answers were coming from all different quarters of the room. And I could joke about, oh, you you have that in your orchard. Gee, never seen that when it's something that we all deal with. That's right. Well, it only took a minute or two. And and, and people actually were... were you had at least 10 on the list, and people were still kind of offering them, and you... They were. I kind of had to move on, even though they would have loved to have given me all their orchard woes. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. So the, they were they were sucked back in. So your, the first tactic that you used to accomplish one of your little objectives was this whiteboard exercise. And then the second tactic that you mentioned is stories. How, why did you choose stories? Well, um, in your ebook, you actually talk about using stories to engage your audience. And I know that to be true from my own experiences listening to people. There's information that that is just information, and then there's information that you really remember because it's got a story attached to it. And I remember at last year's organic gardening workshop, um, the fellow that was presenting on growing organic tomatoes, he had a couple of fascinating stories that I went home and shared with a dozen people. And you can bet that I remember the points that he was trying to get across. It wasn't just a bullet point uh, up on a slide somewhere. Now, you told two main stories that I can recall. The first one, that, that it was almost immediately after your initial whiteboard exercise. You told a story that to me very clearly links to your, it was easy for me to see what why it linked to your, your big outcome. Can you just give us the 60-second version of that story? Uh, it was about how I when I first got into caring for my own orchard trees and gardening that I had approached friends who are professional organic farmers, and I wanted to get advice from them because I was just getting into this. And 
even though they are passionate about organic gardening and and growing food holistically, and they were more than enthusiastic, giving me all kinds of tips about what I could do in my vegetable garden and my herb garden and with my small fruits, when I said, and I've got these orchard trees I want to do organically too, they just shut me down. Oh, you can't do that. It's too hard. It's too involved. There's there's too much that goes into it. And the quality of what you get out doing it organically isn't really that great anyway. You know, I, I never take no for an answer unless I've discovered it on my own, which, <laughs> which could be a fault, but maybe not. And, and so I went out and researched it myself and um, learned about all the different methods that most uh, really commercial growers are using in their organic orchards. And I started to follow the spray schedules and doing the things that they recommended. And it was difficult, but that at some point then when we moved, I had to plant my own orchard and it forced me to do a lot more research because I had never had to plant my own orchard. And in so doing, discovered a lot of methods that those commercial orchardists don't use and don't rely on because their scale is too large. So home orcharding is different and it is simpler than commercial orcharding but, you know, it was a, as a result of doing all that research. So the story you told definitely fit your two objectives, your two little objectives, where you're, you were trying to catch their enthusiasm and then reassure them. And the mm-hmm. way I saw you doing that was you were basically saying, I have an interest in growing fruit trees myself, and I'm sure you guys do too, mm-hmm. or you wouldn't be here at this conference, but I've always felt and even been told that it's way too difficult to do that. Right. And, I, and I'm sure you guys have heard that too. In fact, you even yes. asked that question of the audience and, yep. and you had lots of people raising your hand and agreeing that's, that was their understanding too. And then you said, but then I, through research and my own experience, I found out that there really are ways that it can be done simply and without taking over my whole life. Mm-hmm. And so you connected with the audience, you shared a common issue with them, and then you offered, but I have a solution, and that's what I'm going to be sharing over the next hour. And yeah. you really sucked them in right away. It was a very effective device. And then the other story you told later on was it was a useful, informative tool that you were providing to them, but it was a simple solution that any of them could do that was would save a ton of time and overcome and a lot of money yes a lot of effort yeah absolutely and you told it in a great i just it was a great story that second one and you told it in a way that really i think engaged the audience well and sucked them in again it was you told it with energy and i almost could just picture those two action verbs in your head as you were telling the story because you were creating enthusiasm and you were reassuring them that you could do this too. It's it's actually fairly simple. Yeah, the, it was a piece of information that if I had just stated the fact, it would have gone in one ear and out the other of probably 95% of the participants. But it was actually a vital, even though it was a small, simple piece of information, it was a vital piece of information. In fact, I've had the opportunity in the past to mention this piece of information. And if I just say, hey, if you use this, you won't have that problem. I can just see it passing from one ear and out the other side. So I try and tell a story in connection to help them really understand what a big impact this tiny little thing can have. Right. And just so that we're not holding our audience into a huge uh, suspense here, that little secret that you were explaining was planting garlic around the base of your orchard trees and the garlic 
keeps away the the diseases that they would yeah. otherwise get. So I'm sure a lot of people in our audience could care less about orchards and garlic and so forth. But again, this if you just think about your typical presentation that you would go to, this thing about garlic would usually be one bullet point on a very busy slide, or maybe it, it would be a slide. Use garlic in your orchard. Three reasons why. Here's how you do it or whatever. And it, it would just be cold information. But you told a story about it that explained why, but it, it did it in a way that made the audience discover for themselves you were kind of giving a little bit of information and a little bit of hints and then all of a sudden the audience would in their head arrive at the conclusion that you were hoping that they would come to and it was just very excellently executed Um, so the first thing we talked about was your whiteboard exercise the second thing was stories your third tactic was supporting visuals now that doesn't that's no surprise, right? It seems like every presentation is going to have a bunch of right. slides. It was it was a PowerPoint presentation, and I <laughs> groaned when the person who was putting the conference together said, um, if you can have some visuals, I'm using PowerPoint. I hope that you'll send me, I would just, oh my gosh, really? I have to do PowerPoint slides because I hate those bullets, you know, where you, the person turns around and they read along with the bullets. Like, oh, I can read. Why don't you just give me the notes and let me go home? <laughs> and what did you do that was different with your visuals? Well, I didn't read any of my slides. In fact, a couple of different times I said, I'm not going to read my slides. You can read them yourself. And everybody laughed. But, you know, it's true that people will stand there and read their slides. And you kind of lose your audience at that point. So the slides that I put up, they they were supporting what I was talking about, whatever point um, I was talking about bagging fruit to keep pests off of it rather than spraying. It's just a much more holistic, uh, less invasive process. And instead of giving them a long explanation about, you know, what you do with the bags and all that, I just, I had four pictures up on two on each of two slides that showed visually, you could look at it and see, oh, you slip the bag over and you staple the bag closed. Wow, that's easy, you know. Mm-hmm. And there was one point where you were talking about how to, I think, prune the trees. Mm-hmm. And you, it was a, the information you were giving was surprising. And so you had some pictures of the right way and the wrong way. And you were able to point, this is how it should look. And most of us would be surprised if we hadn't been to the presentation that it should look like that. It was not only surprising, but counterintuitive. Your typical person who's growing any sort of plant has a fear of pruning things off the plant because they feel like they're going to get a smaller crop. And especially with the tree, it seems like this is irreversible damage I'm doing to my tree, mm-hmm. when that's not the case. But it was helpful to be able to look and see, oh, wow, gosh, after so many years, look at how nicely this tree is developed. And, ooh, this one that they left the branches on, wow, that looks like a mess. And again, your visuals were supporting your two little objectives. And one is you had photos that were catching people's attention. They mm-hmm. were they were big, they were colorful, they were interesting. And so it was part of that getting people enthusiastic about this. And I spent some time looking for pictures that I thought would catch people's interest. Uh, I didn't just grab the first thing I had available. I actually put quite a bit of time into thinking about, is this something I would like to look at? Mm-hmm. You know, because I had my choice of 10 different pruning slides that I could use. Well, I wanted to use the one that was the simplest, uh, most effective, and pleasant to look at. And 
your other obje- little objective was to reassure them that they could do this too. And what I saw you doing that was so well is you, again, you, as you said, you never had these slides that just had tons of bullet points. When you had topics that had a lot of information to provide, you had them in a, a table format or uh, some other visual, and you could refer to them, but you never actually read all the information or made them wade through the did. information. Right. But they were so interested in what was on there that somebody actually said, no, can, is this available on your website? Mm-hmm. People, they were reassured because, number one, you kept the information manageable for them. Two, the information was available for them to go get when they wanted it. You weren't, you weren't force-feeding it down them at that moment and making them feel like they had to remember everything. Now, this is just all reference information that you were encouraging them to have on hand at the, at the appropriate time. And then you were, of course, engaging them. They're going to come to your website and want to get more. There's that ongoing relationship uh, that you're creating there. So that was well done, too, on that point. So your three tactics that were all designed to help you meet those two action verb little objectives, which were specifically to help you overcome the challenges that you knew were there to meet your one big outcome. So that's Mm -hmm. why it's the big little outcome scope. Before you actually crafted the presentation, you scoped it out through this sort of model. Now, mm-hmm. how did that work out for you? We're, we're, we're talking right now, less about an hour or so after the conference ended. And what was the experience for you at the end of the conference? Oh, I was so excited because uh, a woman came up to me and she said, I was totally uninterested in your topic. I thought, oh, orcharding, I don't really need to know anything about that. But now I want to go home and plant fruit trees. And I was <laughs> I was just so chirked up that, yeah, okay, I did enthuse people. And obviously, she doesn't think it's too hard. So I must have met that objective also. I had the advantage of sitting in the audience and observing how it was going. And of course, I was interested in how you were doing, but it's not a topic I'm interested in. So I was watching the audience a lot. And you, you extroverted people watcher you. <laughs> <laughs> You had people from the very first moment to the end. They were you, they were engaged. They were hanging on your every word. They were taking notes. You told them up front that you were going to hold their questions to the end, but people you still people wanted to ask you questions. There were yeah. so many questions at the end. You had you had to say, okay, well, I can take one. We have time for one more question because we need to get to the next speaker. And so you you left them wanting more. And it seemed like you really nailed your 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 big outcome. As I mentioned at the beginning, um, I had so much information that I felt like I needed to give them by sticking it all into this big little outcome scope outline. I was able to cut away the extraneous stuff, and it helped me to realize you know what, yeah, this is good to know, but since they're not going to remember everything from my talk anyway and still going to go get a reference book to help them when they get to that point, I really need to keep it focused on that outcome. And if I hadn't, it just would have been information overload. I think people would have lost interest very quickly. And I think that it would have had the opposite effect. Rather than feeling enthused and competent, they would have felt like, I can't do this. There's just too many things to remember. Well, Aaron Leahy is a part-time member of the Aspendale communication team, 
and she is the host of the Small Home Farm podcast, which listeners can find at smallhomefarm.com. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Well, leaders, that wraps up today's show. Let me encourage you to provide your comments or questions at our show notes, which you can find at engagingleader.com forward slash 27. At the beginning of this podcast, we mentioned Franklin Covey's book, The Four Disciplines of Execution, which said that if you aim for one to three goals, you'll achieve one to three of them. But when you aim for more than three, you start to go backwards. We've created a video that presents a clear visual on this, so you may want to check that out to get more information or just to share it with someone you know. We'll put a link to that video in our show notes for this podcast episode, which you can find at engagingleader.com forward slash 27. And while you're on the show notes page, please feel free to provide your thoughts or questions in the comments section. Or you can connect with us at the Facebook page for Engaging Leader. By the way, thank you to David from New York, April from Virginia, Tim from Ohio, and Susan from Montana for liking our page and helping get the word out. Also, you can get more information about the Big Little Outcome Scope, which is one of the tools included in my ebook, Eight Communication Tools for Leaders Become a Better Leader in Every Area of Life. You can get that for free by going to engagingleader.com forward slash book. This is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm where my colleagues and I partner with midsize and large employers to attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results. Find out more at aspendalecommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, James Marler, our sound engineer, Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Christopher Steele, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, whether you realize it or not, you are always communicating and leading. Let's make the most of our opportunities to engage the people we care about.